Hello and welcome to BakaCast for the fifth week of the spring 2017 anime season. I'm your host Dustin and with me today is Larry. Hi, I think it's the sixth week though. Is it? Oh yeah, wait. Because Hero all the Hero Oh yeah, I guess it would be sixth. Yeah. I yeah, I need to I need to judge it by Hero Academy and not by anything else because like they all started a little late. <sighs> it's alright. Yeah, so Hi folks. Yeah. So sixth week. Whatever. Larry's here with me, so is Ben. Yo. And so is Aaron somewhere playing uh playing Persona 5 and romancing his shogi girlfriend. My shogi chuni girl? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I, I stopped I'm playing for the podcast. I, I'm surprised that they didn't manage to fit like a Shining Finger reference in there anywhere. I'm pretty sure there was. Was there? Oh yeah, no, there totally was. It was yeah. like one of the first ones. Yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. It was like, I think maybe the second link or something. Yeah, no, she's good. Ifumi is good. Uh, anyway, I should probably not talk about Persona Five because if I get started on that, it will. I'll be here all night. No, we'll just um, change the name of this to Games Witticism or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my new games podcast, which I will be releasing the first podcast of soon, is actually called Skies of Academia. But uh, anyway. moving right along. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about Seikai Suru Kado, episode 5. Yay, more crazy scientist chick. Yeah, <laughs> I, I both like her and I'm also a little bit bugged by her because, I don't know, in, in, a, in a show that is relatively grounded and realistic with its character portrayal, she is the most anime girl. <laughs> yeah. But she's and, awesome. Yeah, like <laughs> so I don't mind it. Yeah, so like that—that's that's my sort of inter- internal conflict with the show is that, like, taken out of context, I totally like her character. She's great. But like in the context of everything else in the show, it just feels weird to have her in there. It's not that she's bad. It just feels like she belongs somewhere else. <laughs> but, well, well, the thing is though is that. You know, without without her, the show would be kind of relatively, you know, relatively dry. Uh, I mean, because all the other well, 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 the thing is, is like all the I other. I feel like there's a are, middle ground there, though. Well, I don't know yeah. she live she livens up every scene she's in. So I mean, yes, that is true. I'm but fine. I'm fine with her. I I think she's great. Yeah, I just, I don't know, I just feel like there's a middle ground where you can have someone that's kind of like a goofy scientist character who's like, kind of, kind of just weird, but not have them, them be like a, a, a sort of anime girl cliche. Um, but again, like, this is me being very nitpicky. Like, it doesn't actually ruin my enjoyment of the show at all. It's just something that occasionally bugs me. Um, but, like, I like her as a character. I still really like the show. I'm just talking about this because that's one of really the only criticisms I have of this show so far. Because otherwise, it's pretty solid. Like, some CGI weirdness notwithstanding, which 
the one part of the show where the CGI actually was like, oh, okay, this is strange, was when they had that one shirtless guy. Yeah. And yeah. the and and like the it was specifically the highlighting on his muscles that made it look like he like dunked himself in some baby oil before appearing on screen. Yo, man, you've you've got to get that that bro look. Yeah, you've got to be like super <laughs> shiny. You got to have like the shiniest abs in the world. But like, I don't know, just specifically the highlighting they did on that man's naked torso was very strange. Um, but yeah, no, I really liked this episode in terms of like, uh, it, it's, it's, it is still kind of strange to me that they aren't like, it's, it, I guess it's both strange and a little refreshing that they aren't like pulling any triggers on like this alien isn't quite what he seems or isn't as like perfectly benevolent as we might want him to be. But no, he's still perfectly benevolent. But the interesting part is that like sort of the actions like in a way that perfect benevolence is actually more interesting to what it does to humanity and how it like because like the real villain is humans which wow okay that sounded really cliche. The real <laughs> monster is man. But um, it's it's done in a way more subtle way than I just made it sound. A uh, way yeah, more interesting way than I made it sound. Well, yeah, it's not because, yeah, it's not because, you know, like the humans are particularly ill-intentioned. It's because yeah. it's because they don't understand what's going on. Yeah. And it, and, it sort of, and it sort of makes them crazy. We're all terrified animals. Yep. Uh, but yeah, the... Uh, I like I like the conversation he had with was it the prime minister? Yeah, yeah. Where the like the private conversation he had with the prime minister, where he was like, you know, I I might have made a mistake by giving humans the the oh, Ooh, crap the, the 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 devices are called the wham the whams right the whams so freely because it seems like it's just brought like turmoil upon you. And I, and he's like, I feel like I did something bad here. And the prime minister is all like, No, dude, like you are not the one at fault. If any, it's it's mankind's responsibility to not be assholes. So, <laughs> uh, and then I I love the sort of final scene where they're all like, Oh crap, we've been thinking about the whams all along. This isn't like some crazy futurist alien technology. Like we can make these. <laughs> I love that scene where she's just like, "Yeah, once you know the trick, it's pretty easy." Yeah, where she just origamis one into existence. <laughs> yeah, everyone in the and everyone at the press conference is like, "Oh God." <laughs> yeah. Also, I I have the uh, cover art. You get to pick one of four. Nice. And we get I get the probably my favorite line that's come out in a long long time uh when she goes to eat the hand oh and when and when uh what's his name the the diplomat who's honestly not as major of a character as i thought he was gonna be but when he's like you can't eat that and she's like maybe we're just not trying hard enough yeah dr shinoa the anti-stropic the anti-stropic being is not edible uh 
she say? We don't know that for sure if I try hard. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason. And then it just goes over to to uh, the alien, and, she, and he's just like, she'll work. Let's see. I, I think oh, yeah. For some reason, the yeah, the Japanese, the Japanese is actually easier to pronounce. Because, like, yeah, because the Japanese word they use, if you listen carefully, uh, is iho. But like so that's the that's the Japanese word they use for anisotropic. Hmm. It's, it's not that it's actually it's shorter and simpler. That's a rarity. <laughs> uh, you know, you know. Although, yeah, they call let's see, they call like uh, yeah, Zashinin Zashinin is species the Iho Sonzai, because Sonzai just means being, so anisotropic being. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, so Sekai Sirikado is turning out to be, like, I think the secret sleeper hit for me. Like, it's it's not, like, it, it's not going to blow anyone's mind. It's kind of just quietly being very good. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, did you guys watch episode six or just five? Uh, I have not yet. Um, I saw because... I saw episode six. Well, yeah, there's some there's some good stuff in there. Yeah, because yeah, I was working good. many hours this weekend, so I didn't really get a chance to do anything on Friday, Saturday, and today. I fail yeah. to see how that's an excuse. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was playing a whole lot of D and D on Saturday and today. So. I didn't even play video games, Aaron. I again fail to see how that's an excuse. Just a sleep bus. <laughs> no. Uh, Moving right anyway, along. Yeah, moving yeah. along to Little well, Witch Academia. Well, our oh, ratings. Oh yeah. right, no, sorry, five. Yeah, I give I give this episode Kato a five. Yeah, I I really like how they handled the, the end where they're like, yeah, we'll turn over all of the wham we have. By the way, we can make more. Yeah. I also question, <laughs> like, if they're that easy to make, why is it taking Kato so long to make them? I mean, is it is it taking that long, or well, I I don't know. Maybe the it might depend on like maybe certain materials are better energy converters. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, but it well, like, it just seems a lot easier to just like have her make it at that point, because he's only been able to make like a hundred and sixty-two or something like that in the month that he's been there. That said, yeah. we haven't seen the paper balls actually do anything other than float, so maybe they're not quite conductive. Yeah, the question is, is okay, so you have this thing that's sort of technically a wham, but, like, how well does it actually deliver energy to, like, houses and stuff? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't actually show them working other than floating. Which, granted, is a pretty cool trick, but... It's kind of like how you could, like, model a battery with other materials, but you wouldn't be able to create a battery unless you had the right materials. Yeah, but I mean, if that's true, then why bother uh, teaching her how to make the paper whams? For demonstration purposes? I guess, but, like, it, it wouldn't apply to uh, other materials. 
Like, clearly the well, procedure yeah, but... that she's using wouldn't be transferable, and if it's not transferable and the paper ones don't work, what's the well, point? Well, because, because it's, like, teaching... It's not necessarily, like... Because like, the point is that you teach someone... Uh, like, folding paper is actually kind of useful for teaching someone how a structure looks and works on the inside. Um, so if he taught her how to make it out of paper, she could, like, play around with the structure and, like, understand how it all fits together. And so that way she could then apply that to the actual materials and go, like, okay, this is how it should work and stuff. And, like, this is just my speculation. Yeah, I, but, I guess we'll I mean, have to like, see if they actually use them later. Because they they do go over some stuff in episode six about it, but not they they don't use it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'll definitely give this a five. Scientist lady is amusing, especially when she was there just laying with the whams, <laughs> just ju just absorbing the wham potential. Yeah. Alright, uh, so let's move on to Little Witch, uh, act, uh, Little Witch Academy, episode 18. Honestly, it's a shame that Aaron's not watching this show anymore, because I feel like this particular episode would be right up his alley, because it's about the inventor girl. Constance. Uh, yeah. Constance and uh, Akko's dream of... Well, I'm spoiling it. Let's get started. Yeah. Yeah, it's about Constance and Akko trying to be her friend and continually failing to be any sort of help. Well, like, yeah, like, in the first half of the episode, like, Akko was really pissing me off. But, you know, but... But it redeemed... But it actually, you know, made it work for the episode as a whole because, like, at this point, yeah, you're supposed to be annoyed at Akko. Yeah, like, you're supposed to sympathize with Constance. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but, like, yeah, that, but then as the episode goes on and, you know... I mean, Constance, Constance made it plain as many times as she threw Akko out of the lab that she wasn't wanting any part of Akko, but, of course, Ms. Persistent just couldn't take no... doesn't take no for an answer. Yeah, and and like the, she eventually like makes a good case for why her persistence is you know useful. It's like Constance, like she's not as bullheadedly stubborn. <laughs> yeah. So like, right, and so it all culminates. So it all culminates in in them, you know. Is Akko and Constance making a magic mech for the wild hunt? Well, that was, yeah. that was Akko's idea. That was yeah. that, that was that blueprint she showed Constance, who went and started fiery drawing all over the board. So, a very different wild hunt than I remember from The Witcher, but. <laughs> uh... <laughs> well, and then we had Croy interference. <laughs> well, yes. yeah. Right. Yeah, well, so Croy's during the Wild Hunt, like, sets loose some of her uh, Magitek stuff that creates a big demon thing. Uh, and then we get the transformation sequence, 
which is so blatantly a reference back to one of Trigger's earlier anime, Gurren Lagann. Like, down, down to even the poses it makes and the color scheme. Yes. <laughs> it was, but, but it all I was worked just, out. Yeah, I was just... <clears throat> yeah, but, like, when... Yeah, when they... Yeah, when all that stuff started happening in the episode, I was just totally on board, and I was just loving it. Yes. Yeah, like, the, the moment I, it transformed, I was like, okay, I know what they're doing here. Uh, yeah, and it was pretty good. Like, the monster even looks like a Gurren Lagan monster in that, like, it's very... Its proportions are very stylized, kind of, like, bulgy, and... I'm trying to find words to describe it. Like, it even has spirals on it. <laughs> like So... But, yeah. The thing I like the it's most all, is it went through this glorious trans formation and was all ready to fight and the batteries went dead. Yeah, it yeah, it used all its energy on the transformation. <laughs> then they had to get more magic power from people yeah. to actually do a super move. So, with it all said and done... A super move which is, of course, a drill attack because hey. you gotta have a drill attack if you're doing a Gurren Lagan reference. So, um... <laughs> Once the battle was over and all was said and done, Ursula kicks Zephyrcorn and gets told, yeah, I'm doing what I'm doing and you can't stop me. Yeah, which is kind of what I figured, is that, like, uh, Ursula, or should I say Chariot, like, Chariot obviously knows that Croy is up to no good. It's just that she can't really do anything about it because she doesn't have any evidence and also, like, the only reason she'd have to be suspicious is because she's Chariot and thus knows LaCroix from yep. previous experience, and revealing that would is something she clearly doesn't want to do. So she's kind of put herself in a bit of a bind. Yeah. So on a scale of 1 to 5, I give this a 5. It was definitely fun. Yeah, it was it was delightful. Oh yeah, oh, I enjoyed it a lot. And Akko getting, getting bounced off the ceiling four or five times was uh, was worth every one of the fives for Akko. Oh certainly, yes. Uh, all right, moving on to excite uh, to My Hero Academy episode nineteen. <clears throat> well, we did get moved, some important like some pretty important backstory on. Oh, why can I not remember his name? Is it Todoroki? Yeah, it's Todoroki. Yeah, yes, the, all right, the, I remembered a name. The, yes. The, the half-chilled, half-fiery guy. Yeah, so, like, his whole deal is his father is kind of an asshole who's super hard on him and who only cares about success, kind of no matter the cost, and expects <laughs> his son to be number one as well and to kind of, like, step on other people. Because he could, because he, because his father could never get himself above All Might, and he's bitter about that. Uh, and his mother uh, has kind of this weird relationship with him too, because his mother clearly has issues with his father for like pretty obvious reasons. I feel. Well, he. But then she also, but then she also kind of like transplants those feelings 
partially on her son as well because he's got the fire half. Yeah, it's yeah, right, because yeah, because like Todoroki's mother was basically forced into a loveless marriage uh yeah. in order yeah. yeah. In order yeah, basically in order in order to get uh, in order to get a son with a superior with uh superior powers. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, so Todoroki's life is not great, um, but it does lead to Midoriya making an extremely good joke, where he says, man, he's like an anime protagonist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Works out for me. <laughs> he's clearly yeah. the main character in a shonen show. Uh... Like it, normally, uh, I feel like when when anime does those kind of lampshading jokes, more often than not, it just feels kind of like forced. But uh, I I feel like when Hero Academy does that kind of thing, like it 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 earns it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, well. Also, yeah. The like the you know exchanges that go on between uh, between uh, Todoroki and Midoriya. It, it yeah they're they're sort of uh, they're sort of setting up a uh, a kind of parallel between uh you know the with the the relationship between endeavor and all might and showing you know <clears throat> you know showing how they contrast as superheroes like you know cuz the thing about cause, like cuz you know going back to like their like their performance in the uh cavalry battle you know, you know, like, all, like, you know, Mid- Midoriya hardly uses his, like, hardly used his powers at all, but he could, you know, mainly because he couldn't, but also, you know, he managed to, like, go as far as he did because he was a superior team leader. And he was, you know, like, the way he treated his teammates in the cavalry battle, like, made them, like, you know, you know, it basically made them, like, work better and, like, exceed their limits. You know, because, you know, because, like, he treated them as, like, you know, valuable, like, valuable teammates. So, like, they were just, like, you know, so that it, it wasn't just that they respected him, like, as a hero, but they actually, like, really believed in him. See, what's interesting, though, is that I think that Todoroki also did that, but in a different way. So, like, yeah. where, whereas with Midoriya, it's I'm counting on you guys, uh, and I believe that we'll be stronger together than we are apart. Whereas with Todoroki, it was like you guys are good. We we all know we are skilled. Let's all do the things we are good at. And just annihilate everyone else to prove <clears throat> ourselves. And so, like, he, I think Todoroki absolutely respected his teammates there. And, yeah, like, that, right. that, that's shown by how well he used all of them. Yeah. He's just doing it in a very different way than Midoriya is, uh, yeah. which I think is interesting because, like, they're both, like, they're both very much good heroes. Um, they just have very different personalities about it, which is what makes it more interesting than just like a sort of Naruto Sasuke kind of rivalry. 
um, which these days I kind of have no time, no patience for. <laughs> yeah, this I mean... Sort of, this sort of thing is more interesting. And even with Todoroki, like, when he had his chat with Midoriya, and he's like, I'm going to prove that I'm better than you without using this flame quirk, it's, it, it wasn't like, because you suck. It was because he recognized that Midoriya is highly skilled and that he's the one he needs to, like, pay attention to to really prove himself. And that he's All Might's love child. Yeah, <laughs> unlike, say, the antagonist from the previous season, um, of what was that guy's name? Is it Baku? Well, uh, Bakugo is, uh, <clears throat> Bakugo is, was, was, uh, was, uh, Midoriya's rival, main yeah, rival Bakugo. in the previous, in the previous yeah. season. He's still there. Yeah, um, yeah, I know, he's still there, but well, he's, he's taking kind background. of a, yeah, he's taking a bit of a backseat, like, he's still, he's still clearly in, in there, but he's, he's not as important as he was in the first season, which I'm kind of grateful for. And then we get our... even though... Because even though he's toned down, I'm st- I still don't care for him, and it's kind of it's why I'm liking this new rivalry that Midoriya has, because again, it's based on sort of mutual respect rather than Baku going like, "Oh, you suck, quirkless. You screw you. I'm gonna show I'm better than you because you suck." And we get yeah. our fan service episode. Oh yeah, so. <laughs> Sort of. Hero Hero Academy is generally very good about how it treats its female characters, um, so I'm kind of willing to let it slide here. Yeah, well, especially it's... since it was the two people who who uh, engineered this uh, little event are probably going to regret that they did it. Yeah, but even still, it's a pretty dumb joke, and I didn't really care for it. And yeah. honestly, I just I just want those guys to just go away and never come back. I thought the yeah I thought the way uh, Hagakure, the invisible girl, the way she was uh, reacting to that, I thought she was pretty funny. Yeah, that almost made it worth it. Yeah. Uh, partly <laughs> partly because like the joke is is that she doesn't really have a. She doesn't have a reason to be self-conscious like everybody else because it's not like anyone can see her anyway. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, like that almost that that made it not entirely uh, stupid. But like, I I would have been. I think I might have been far more okay with it just because of that joke if they had not then gone on to show that they were still in the cheerleading outfits for some reason, even though they found out it was a trick and they probably logically would have changed clothes after they found out, instead of just staying there like they were obligated, as if they were obligated to. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next episode a lot. I, I really liked the character building they did in this episode. Uh, I liked the, I really liked the setup they did. I liked the coaching that we saw Midoriya get, uh, and then immediately screw up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yes, maybe no. We have to see how that works out. But yeah. Right. So I'm. I'm I'm looking forward to this tournament bracket, which is the start of the more sort of traditional style tournament arc. Yeah. Anyway, I'm giving this episode a five. Uh, I will I will 
Hmm. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah. Like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't like the cheerleading sequence, but it didn't. I, I don't think I disliked it enough for me to knock it down a point. Yep. So, uh, should we move on to uh, family ties? Oh, uh, eccentric family. Oh, I'll be above. Absolutely. Let's talk about eccentric family, which keeps getting more and more interesting with how it plays with uh, both the new characters that have been introduced and the old characters. Um, again, especially in regards to Ben 10, um, and sort of yeah. how she's interact and sort of like how her, how like this whole status quo that Ben 10 was used to is getting shaken up, uh, and how she's extremely not okay with it. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Because, right. Cause prior to that is like, like, like in the previous season and, you know, and earlier this season, she could basically just do whatever the do whatever she wanted and face no consequences because you know every everybody would just suck up to her because she was a powerful Tengu. Yeah, like e- and, even her even her mentor, like she kind of walked all yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, but like Nidaime, he's not down. Yeah, he's not taking any of this. He's right. not having any of this. So, and so, yeah, and so she's like, so So what happens is the irresistible force comes up against the immovable object. Yeah, and what's interesting is that it's not like Nidaime is, like, really a much better person or really much worse person than, than yeah. Ben 10. So it's kind of like two jerks who are equally jerky, but in different ways, kind of butting heads with each other and, like the 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 first jerk is realizing the second jerk is more powerful and trying to deal with that new thing that's happening so it's like you can't really you can't really root for either of them um outside of hoping that maybe like one of the jerks learns to be less of a jerk because of the hardship she's now going through um because she can no longer because her power alone is no longer enough uh and and to a lesser extent i'm also enjoying uh the i'm also enjoying what is it gyokuren uh yeah gyokuren is uh basically uh, is is basically yaichiro's uh yaichiro's girlfriend yeah, I, I'm really enjoying what she's bringing to the table um, as kind of like this very no-nonsense character uh, who's who's kind of a nice contrast to Yasubro and his family. <laughs> um, and also the fact that... It, like, uh, Genkaku and Kinkaku, like, I've always appreciated why they exist, but... I often am extremely irritated by them, which is partly the point. Um, but I rarely enjoy myself when they're on screen. I think that dynamic is given a very much needed, like, different twist by Gyokuran simply existing. Uh, because as a member of their family, as a senior to them, they're kind of forced to listen to her uh when she's like yo cut it out you 
impossibly stupid people. <laughs> um, so I, I like what she brings to that kind of rivalry that Yasuboro has with Ginkaku and Kinkaku because it's sorely needed because those sections were starting to feel like very, very samey even back in season one. Uh, yeah, yeah, because the thing about them is that, that they're fundamentally weak. They're fundamentally weak people who uh, are mainly, who mainly get as far as they do by taking advantage of the weaknesses of others. You know, and that, like, like for instance, in the uh, the episode with the uh, Shogi tournament, you know, you know, they, they mainly, you know, you know, they may, they managed to dis- disrupt the Shogi tournament by basically trolling uh, Yasuburo and Yaichiro. And so, if, you know, if they hadn't risen to the, if they hadn't risen to the bait, then, you know, Ginkaku and Kinkaku would have just gotten nowhere. So it's interesting that Dad Shogi room empties out into the master's den. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all fell through the Shogi table and, oh, this is Dad Shogi room. I don't remember it looking this bad before. Well, it looks like it's been used. Yeah, I, I really like how the show occasionally drops more insights into, like, who what kind of person their dad was and how he interacted with the other members of the the cast that are like still still around um and and how and how that kind of like influences how the the remaining members uh interact with the people that their dad knew uh it, it goes a long way to explaining like why ben 10's mentor kind of puts up with them because he had that kind of good relationship with their dad um, I like the Frog Brother alcohol driven train express. And then the. Oh, yeah. And, and then mm-hmm. the sitting up there and saying, well, look, tell her you love her. Uh, 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 see, I love you. Well, I do too. So move along now. Do something. Do <laughs> yeah. something about this. Uh, now that you guys admitted that you love each other, go do something about it. Wasn't that so simple? Yeah. No, I. I I really like that whole sequence. This was a very fun episode that culminated again, like in in Ben Ten getting knocked the hell out by Nadaime. And what I love about that is that they tell you what's going to happen before it happens. I believe with the eye catch, mm-hmm. uh, because the eye catch yeah, is shows ben just ben straight up says. Yeah, where Benton fell or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Um, and like, not only is that a cool way of foreshadowing, but it's also like, it also communicates that the fact that that is even a piece of information that would be marked on a map is an important thing in and of itself to these people. Um, and, and it's kind of like this this major event that Ben 10 fell. Uh, and, and, and it lends a lot of weight to the twist that happens where she charges him and she, and, and Nadaime just easily brushes her aside. Yeah. Basically, and it was like, like the bull going at the tour door and he just, 
And the scene of her, like, just sort of sitting there in the pond yeah. is extremely good. So, uh, there's no reason not to give this a five. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, let's see, where are we going? Oh, you guys are going <clears> to... <throat> we are now really going to Gundam Thunderbolt, episode six. Yeah. Oh. Which was a... Really fun episode. Yeah, I rewatched episode five, and yeah, it was like it was a good episode, but it seemed it seemed like structurally that it was like made up of a whole lot of disconnected fragments. Yeah, again, like episode five, all like it seemed almost halfway between. It was like a recap episode for episodes that didn't exist, almost like. <laughs> So, like, this weird interstitial thing that's meant to bridge the gap between 4 and 6. Um, yeah, so while it had good scenes, it also felt kind of disjointed because of that. Yeah, but this um, one, yeah, but this episode is much more, much more focused. Yeah, it, absolutely, and it goes, and it goes in guns blazing as well. Um, I really, really like how it, how one of the earlier, one of the earliest scenes is just straight up a jam session uh, between Io and ah, uh, God, what's her name? Bianca. Uh, Bianca, yes. Uh, and how they're kind of like going wild on this improv uh, on improv improvisational jazz. Um, and they've kind of like just gotten the crowd around them, just watching and be like, ooh ah. Uh. Because it like sets them up immediately as oh, these two get each other. Um, and kind of sets them up immediately as partners, uh, even though we haven't really seen them fly together. <laughs> right. Like they both like we're just shown they operate on similar wavelengths. Yeah, but then yeah, but yeah, by the end of the episode, yeah, they're <laughs> they're taking part in a taking part in a battle together. Oh. Also, something I appreciated was that when Bianca takes off her top to reveal all her tattoos, like, the dudes in the locker room are going like, wow, those are some cool tattoos. Not like, yeah, boobies. Um, which they, which I was like halfway expecting that they were going to do. Like, it's, it's pretty clearly a, a kind of fan service moment. But I appreciate that the characters in the show did not treat it as a fan service moment and were just like, yo, you've got a lot of tattoos. You have been in a lot of engagements. That's pretty impressive. Right. It, yeah, because it's because, you know, these guys are professional soldiers and all those tattoos, yeah, they represent the battles that she's gone through and the units that she served with. And so all these got all these soldier guys like they recognize that too. Yeah, yeah. They were not. They were not ogling her. Yeah, which I so appreciated. Um, and then just like the underwater stuff, the underwater fight scene was such a cool idea, uh, and it was executed really well. Especially like with that initial scene where it's almost shot like a horror film, where the ball gets ambushed by one of the uh is it 
What kind of suit is that? Is it a... Uh, see, this is where having John still on the podcast would be helpful, because he remembers all these. Gel... Is it the... No, it's not the Gelgig. Um, uh, anyway, it's aquatic yeah. mobile suit. I can't remember what the technical designation of it is, because, again, I am yeah. not John or Matt, and I do not have those things memorized, because I don't watch much UC. Uh, but yeah, like the the way that it's shot, it's like the Gelgu the sorry the the aquatic suit is like using its sort of razor claws to like puncture the ball, and it's like oh, that's bad. Um, it, it immediately like uh, communicates the danger of the situation in a way I appreciate a lot, uh, and then just the just the whole thing of showing like that the suits aren't really meant to maneuver very well in water and showing how they're getting crushed by the sort of falling rocks and it's hard for them to maneuver around because again like moving in water is hard yeah a bunch of these people just die pointlessly by getting crushed yeah there's also yeah another factor is is uh is a uh, water pressure at depth. Yeah. Which comes into which comes into play as like uh you know, you know EO's Gundam starts sinking because uh it, like his leg uh, his like his leg rockets were damaged in the battle with the uh like aquatic with the aquatic suit and you know and and so like he almost yeah, he almost dies because uh yeah, because his Gundam is sinking, and he tried like he like tries to use the same use the sabers to you know to like push himself up, and that doesn't work. I did really like the idea behind the saber trick, though, as like using the lasers to create a like super hot jet stream. Yeah, and that's that's a really clever use of them that like might have worked if he was a little bit higher up. Yeah. And- and like, uh, and he ends up getting bailed out by uh, Bianca after, like, after earlier in the episode, uh, helping her out against the uh, against the uh, other <clears throat> the other the, the other guys. One thing that sort of one thing that sort of gets me about like the uh, like the po- political dynamics uh, of this uh, of this series is how. What's going on here is a th- kind of a three-cornered struggle between, like, like the Federation and the Zeon Remnants and these crazy cultist guys, the uh, South Seas Alliance. And so that's got <laughs> that's having that's having some weird dynamics. Yeah, you kind of got yeah, you've you've got like the two sides who are kind of like the just normal like military two sides of like the military that are going against each other and then you have like the crazy radicals. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also really like the scene in the snow where uh, IO saves Bianca again, kind of like pays her back again for the the water rescue like bianca's walking in the snow after her mobile suit gets disabled and like she sees the zeon soldier who also has a disabled suit 
like walking through the snow and she like trains her rifle on him uh, and then happened, like she's that happened she earlier through, uh it happened about halfway through it did yeah, happen after right. it did yeah. happen after he gets no it's oh no you're no, right no he got sa- right. he got saved okay. at the end of the episode after he saved her in the snow oh, okay yeah you're correct okay sorry yeah i was getting my scenes confused um, but yeah, I really, I really like how that scene was shot where like, she's kind of looking at it through the scope and then he looks back and then she realizes, oh, through like now, now that they're getting closer, I can see through this snowstorm that there are a bunch of other mechs just like pointing their weapons at me. This is bad. And then like the sniper shot from IO's mobile suit, like comes rushing over her head and it's real good. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I am. Yeah, so far I am on board for this show. I'm really getting, really liking it. Uh, I'm giving this episode a five. Yeah, Thunderbolt is a very fun show. Um, well, I don't, it, it's it's fun even though it's also pretty depressing at times. Uh, so yeah, I'll definitely give it a five. Uh, and I believe that'll be it uh, for our shows this week. Um, yeah, so there was, yeah, like, yeah, there was no episode of Alice to Zoroku. Uh, yeah. So we will be talking about that next recording. Um, Larry, uh, well, your, your personal email didn't happen to get any, like, uh, questions to discuss on air, did you? No, uh, the, uh, it's yeah, just, also, it was a, as far as listener questions, the only thing we have is uh, Cyber Person's uh, question, which I've already answered. So yeah, that's uh, okay. That's pretty much uh, yeah, and right, yeah. and so next week we'll also be talking about uh, uh, Virgin Soul episode five and six. Five, oh right, five and yes, six. yeah, yes. because I forgot to watch episode five. Um, Welcome to being human. Yeah, so also, uh, I've, I've mentioned this in some previous episodes before, but I should probably just uh, continue mentioning it for, like, the next several uh, vodka casts. But um, uh, with the switch over, I was not able to uh, keep the old RSS feed um, because the problem is, is that doing an RSS feed merger would just straight up eliminate all the header information that iTunes actually needs to put it on the iTunes store. So that was a no-go. So I had to kind of just do a do a hard swap over to the new audio entropy feed. So uh, any shows uh, before episode 323 are not going to be on the new feed, uh, but you can still access them um, by manually entering the old RSS feed into whatever podcast uh, uh, software you're using. Um, links are both sides. Is, yeah, yeah. Links, uh, link to that old feed, that archive feed, uh, will be on both Audio Entropy and also Project Harhi. Um, for some reason, I comments are not working, even though I enabled them on the blog post in Audio Entropy. I, that's something I think I'll need to talk to Joel about, uh, the site administrator, because I think he has comments disabled site-wide on audio entropy and that's probably overwriting my uh my own preferences but you can uh, setting for the b- blog 
Yeah, so I'll yeah, I'll be I'll be trying to copy over the information. Uh I'll be trying to copy over the blog post in a timely fashion over on Project Harhi as well. So yeah, and growing pains. <laughs> the 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 first the first couple weeks are always hard when you're doing something different. Uh, but yeah, so you'll you'll be able to find the old RSS if you're wondering where the heck the old episodes went. Um, it's in the blog roll on Arhi and in the main post at Audio Entropy. Yeah, and you can still leave comments on www.projectharhi.net. Uh, also, you can send an email at bakacast at projectharhi.net, uh, the link, the address of which will both be in the blog post, and also there's an email link that shouldn't be, uh, that shouldn't be going to Larry's email now, <laughs> now that I fixed that. Yeah, and, and you know, if you send me something, <laughs> I, I do look at that email account, so uh, I will answer your questions within reason. Uh no, I don't have six good lottery numbers. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So yeah, you can send questions to podcast at projectre.net as well. Uh, I believe that's all I really need to. Can you think of anything else I need to clear up? No, uh, I think everything? we're good. Housekeeping is good. Cool. Yeah. Okay. If not, we'll catch it Thursday. Rad. Uh, so Ben. Dustin. Three, two. Kiribush. Ta-ta, y'all. Bye-bye.